Welcome back to the Line to Gain podcast. This is episode 16, reviewing week 15 of the 2022 NFL season. My name's Jeremy Dixon, here as always with the one and only Michael Parker. Mike, what's going on, man? What up, what up? So, uh, Mike, this... First of all, I want to say RIP to Franco Harris. Um, I had a whole, like... I was going to go off about how they're like uh, dialing up this uh, 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception that shouldn't even be a actual pickup. My God, I'm sorry, dude. No, it's all right. So I, I had Mike. I had a whole RIP Franco Harris to start with. I had a whole hot take on how the immaculate reception and the 50th anniversary celebration of that this Friday is the biggest travesty to all like true NFL fans because it's a play that shouldn't even have counted that uh, we went over that in uh, in last season a right. little bit right um, but now Franco Harris dies unexpectedly at the uh, age of 72 and the th- crazy thing is they were going to uh, retire this guy's jersey I, I didn't know his jersey wasn't even retired in pittsburgh up to this point they were going to do it on saturday which is insane uh but then i heard that uh like terry bradshaw's jersey is not retired there like they have very i think they only have like three retired players jerseys hanging in the rafters uh in pittsburgh which is i mean shocking that you know they were such an incredible team in the 70s and all the way through now to only have uh three players retired up to that point. And I don't know who they are. I should have checked that out. But, uh, yeah, we will uh, – anyway, rest in peace, Franco Harris. But Yeah, it is shocking that he's not in the – you know, he's probably in the, the the numbers and the ring of fame or whatever. But the fact that it's not retired is right. pretty crazy. And, and Seahawk, Seahawk great, Franco Harris, mind you. Uh, don't forget about that. <laughs> we always get him at the end. Yeah, we do. We were uh, we're we're notorious for that. So yeah, let's uh let's get to our betting woes for the week, or at least my betting woes. I think you you had a better week than me. No, uh, not at all. No, okay. I got hammered. Well, that's good. Okay. All right, mean, let's get good. in. Let's let's get into it. Well, because I misery loves company, my guy. <laughs> like, let's go. I keep coming over here, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All, all right. right. I started off with, uh, I thought this was um, an easy win, right? I had Indiana at Minnesota minus four and a half. Uh, exactly. Mike, this might have been the craziest week of NFL football I've seen in a number it of years. It didn't look good when we were reviewing no. it last week, but no. it turned out to be pretty crazy. And we'll go over like the right. details of those games and stuff. So that was my first loss on Saturday, first game of the, um, uh, on the weekend. Yeah, got hammered there. Uh, I had Atlanta at New Orleans. I had New Orleans uh, minus four and a half there too. And, and what was I, what was the score on that one? And then the under. Let me take a quick look at that. It score. was uh, um, that was eighteen to twenty one. So it was a was a three, three point, point yeah three yeah. point. I think I, so. So I was right there one and a half points. I I would have had the under too. Uh, lost that Tennessee money line. I just thought that they could figure something against the chargers and again they they're pulling games out of their their buttocks you know here at the end of the season trying to get into the playoffs so they look kind of like a Uh, resurgent chargers team i guess we'll see how that plays out and then my final one 
uh, was the Giants at Washington. I had Washington minus four and a half uh, with an over at 40 and a half. And I'm just like, the refereeing in this game was horrible. That last sequence, especially as they're driving for that game winning um, uh, touchdown was just embarrassing. That mugging in the uh, end zone and a couple of other things that were just like, it would at least given them an opportunity to go for that two point conversion and get the tie. And it's just like, I don't know. It seems pretty crazy that yeah. it went down like this. And if at 2020 tie, let's say going into that, then maybe a field goal. I guess a field goal, I don't get the four and a half, but a touchdown, right. I get the four and a half and the over. So that was still Ouch. in play until Vegas you know, is call. good, man. Vegas is good. I don't know. I mean, they must like calculate everything. Injury report, obviously. We're talking weather about weather. Report, yeah. We're talking about wind direction. We're talking about precipitation. We're talking about barometric pressure for mm-hmm. ball rotation speeds. We're talking, you know, oh, yeah. all these how good they are at hitting the their numbers these individual teams they're right. this they're four and three against the spread this year kind of like that stuff and i'm I'm telling you there's another level of like computer calculations that just spit this stuff uh, out. as I'm the sure. late gray bino cook said it's the reason that these guys the handicappers send their kids to ivy league schools and live in mansions <laughs> So needless to say, I was a minus 400 on the week, um, and I'm still up overall, but only to uh, 63.93. Okay. So. Well, you're doing better than me. So uh, my first pick of the week was Buffalo minus 7.5 and, and under 42, and they were talking about like 19 inches of snow and all this stuff, and I'm like what, – uh, What was that first one again? Uh, Buffalo minus 7.5 and against Miami and the under 42. Oh, okay. As a parlay. Ooh, under. Wow. All right. Well, I I thought there was going to be 19 inches of snow. I'm like, there's no way Miami's going to be able to score in that. With it's going to like completely uh, get rid of their. I figured Buffalo would win easily because they're they have Josh Allen can run the ball well, right. and Tua's has never even started a game that uh, was below freezing. I heard, and he's never won a game that. Uh, the temperature was under 50 degrees or something. I'm always so I'm skeptical like, of that. These I guys know, but play. I'm still, I'm just like, man. As a kid, I used to run out and play in the snow. I know, but still, not I'm a, just. Not like it's the same thing. I just, but. so I turn on the game, no snow to be seen. It's completely bare and dry. It's like a freaking track meet out there. Yeah. The, I think the over, the over hit, or I lost the under bet, like, like the beginning of the third quarter, I'm pretty sure. Then the last, I mean, it was still a great game. 61 was the point scored in this yeah. game. Yeah. It was a great game. Went to overtime. Uh, Buffalo pulled it out in the end. They, they didn't definitely didn't cover the seven and a half points. Uh, but it, it was still a hell of a game. And so Dolphins they, in over wins you this game. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I was exactly opposite. Uh, but they, yeah, they, uh, the last like five minutes of the game, like it was a freaking blizzard and it was so much fun to watch, but they're out there was, like sweeping the field so that they can get for that, the field that goal field kicker. Goal yeah. yeah. It was just insane. So yeah, Fun I stuff. blew that one. Uh, I had Dallas minus four at Jacksonville oh, thinking that God. was like the easiest, uh, the easiest game of the week right there. And then, uh, so that was obviously a loss. And then I did get one win, uh, which Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa Bay. Didn't look good at the uh, begin didn't, with. No, man, it did they, not. They so really settled in. pulled that one off. Um, so I'm down to $110 uh, in winnings on the season. Wow. And yeah, not, not happy about it. Hey, if we're in the green or the black, maybe yeah, we're there. Whatever works. It's green, exactly. on my, it's green on my spreadsheet. I like it. I like it. Because so. black, you can't read it. 
Yeah, well, let's uh, let's dive into some of these games, man. These, this was a surprisingly good week of football. All right, so we started off on Thursday with San Francisco at Seattle. Um, yeah, that was not such a good game of football. Not, not, I mean, here, here, hold, we talked about how in previous Seattle games the defense actually was playing pretty good, but the offense couldn't really keep anything going. They were just losing the, the, the time of possession battle game right. after game. Um, then, so this is the, the argument against that is that in that um, Carolina game, they were destroyed like right off the bat. Yeah. There was not even a, they just were getting boat no. raced by that Carolina running game. So I figured we were going to get that. It's what was yeah. going to happen here. This San Francisco is a heavy rush team. Um, they're West Coast through and through, short passes. You know, I just thought there were there's no way we we're going to be able to stand up to that. I'm I'm still not. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm still not like super feeling great about that because they're obviously without Debo Samuel and they're on their third string quarterback. So. Um, but yeah, I, but I Brock still Purdy's figured, pushing that ball way better yeah, than Garoppolo did. That, that He's is a true. more accurate passer, at least Absolutely. in the two games. He still makes some of those like I, I've never seen that before mistakes. Right. right. Um, but I like I like his composure. Well, he was there. a rookie starting his first road game too, which was pretty impressive to come yeah. into. Because I, I think the, I think the crowd was, helped neutralize a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there the, was a lot of San Francisco fans. Oh uh, yeah, game. there was, there yeah, was for too, sure. So yeah, well, yeah. so because of all that, I felt like we played okay. Like we weren't destroyed. We weren't boat race. Like I thought we were going to be, the game was only 21 to 13. I mean, we're, Hey, we had a garbage time touchdown, but I they, mean, they another five minutes scored. onto that. Maybe we, well, they were close. They could have scored a garbage at the very end of the game. I think they kneeled on the ball at like the five yard line. So sure. They were, they were close, but I think if, uh, you know, I, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this game because I don't know how many people are even listening to this or if they are our Seahawks fans, but if Quandre Diggs makes that interception, um, I think late in the second quarter, um, that's a big, because it ended up, he drops the ball that hits him right in the hands, the safety for the Seahawks, and then they're able to turn around and go down and uh, score a touchdown at the end of the first half, which, uh, like, if, if the, and the Seahawks would have been at least in field goal range at that point, so that's a 10-point swing right there. Was that the, the double fake to uh, Kittle, or was that his first one? That was the first one. Okay. Yeah. Where he kind of just breaks free on the seam and just kind of runs yeah. right up the middle. Yeah. yeah, right after. That was the play after that, yeah. So or a couple plays after that. So yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, yeah, the hard fought game by the Seahawks. Just the 49ers have too much talent on that defense, man. And I and you know, Gino, Gino threw a couple interceptions that were mistakes. He took a couple sacks that were big mistakes. That you know, kind of knocked us back out of. Uh, well, he th- he threw through no interceptions. Oh my bad. He, I thought he had two interceptions. Yeah, he, he had three sacks for thirty yards. So he's taken okay. he's he's taken some sacks. Uh, only two thirty eight um, on that game. Well, we expect low off low offense on those Thursday nights. I think where we're really struggling is that running game. I think yeah. Kenneth Walker the third is still injured. Only forty seven yards on twelve carries. Geno Smith had a nice scramble for eighteen to keep a drive alive. Tra- Travis Homer, a couple of fumbles there. That guy. Had a really tough day. He had a fumble with a and a loss. He had a lost fumble. So um, and then Geno Smith right. fumbled. Although it looks like we recovered that one. So and Tyler Lockett uh, broken hand broke his hand, which is tough. Honestly, um, I, I kind of I don't know what to do with this team. We got the 
We got the Chiefs this week. Um, we're we're in um, Kansas, Kansas City. City. We're got the Jets home and the Rams home to finish up. I'm not sure. I think if we're they long win the, for the playoffs, I think if we can beat the Jets and the Rams, I think we'll make it. But I don't. I just don't see us beating the Jets. So we'll see. Yeah, big what if for Hopefully sure. Hopefully Zach Wilson's still starting. Well, we definitely have a chance if that's the case. The Zach attack. Let's go, baby. All right. Cool. Please, please lose to the Seahawks. Right, any other notes on that Thursday night? No, it just was terrible. All right. And so here's here's the the one that surprised everybody. It was the talk of the town last week. It was the first game in the Saturday docket. It was the Indianapolis Colts versus uh, Minnesota. This was a crazy game for sure. It was the largest comeback in NFL history. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota fought back to win down 33 to zero at halftime. Um, Minnesota. St- I turned this one off. Yeah. Like I was, I'm not wasting my time watching this. I was like, I don't even care. I went like shopping. We were, we were walking around Olympia, just going to like shops and stuff. Right. And, and we were, I think we were eating lunch when I was like, when you saw the score, we were texting back and forth a little bit and I was well, like, I was Damn, kind of refreshing, but yeah. every couple of, and then it was like, all right, they, you know, Minnesota got another touchdown, but they still got 14 and there's like eight, six minutes left or eight minutes left in the fourth quarter or whatever. I'm just like, this is, it's going to be tough. All yeah. they got to do is hold it together. Right. So they may not have enough time. And, Sure enough, man. And Matt Ryan's been uh been the quarterback for two teams that um that have uh had the biggest uh comeback losses against them. Yeah, he has he's the had, Super Bowl he, against uh, New England. So speaking of luck, Minnesota's statistically one of the luckiest teams in league history. Um they they are winning these games by happenstance almost. Weird things happening. Um there's there's something to be said about never giving up. Like when you come out of halftime down thirty three to zero, like a lot of teams will just fold. It's really hard to do that, right? But to their credit, um, Kirk Cousins, I don't know this guy. Just I don't know what he does. He's surprising, man. Uh, he threw for fifty four. He had fifty four attempts. So I mean, they just came That's out a lot. just yeah, like just we're gonna sling it. Um, he flew uh, through for 460 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks. Wow. I think those picks were uh, pretty early, though. Well, I heard uh, Patrick Peterson on, I think, Pat McAfee's podcast. And, you know, Pat McAfee's a big – he played for the Colts. He's a big kind of right. Colts uh, – He's a punter. Booster yeah. or whatever, yeah. So he uh, – Stan. He uh, was talking to Patrick Peterson and, you know, giving him a hard time about beating uh, the – the Colts on Saturday, and he's like, I couldn't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's like, you guys are down 33 nothing. Like, how'd you get the team amped up to come back? And, you know, asking him some different questions. And he's like, look, man, he's like, at the end of the day, he's like, they finished that. They scored 33 points on us, finished the game with a quarterback that barely threw for 200 yards and a running back that barely ran for 100 yards. Like, that's – like they didn't like come, they they weren't dominating us statistically at halftime other than the scoreboard, so we just had to rally our troops and get our get our shit together basically. And, well, after they scored their thirty sixth point, um, the Colts. So just the second half had just started. Um, their first possession, they punt. They get a field goal. They're up thirty six to seven. Then they rattle off these punt, punt. Punt, three punts in a row, fumble, turnover on downs, punt, end of half. So then they go into overtime, punt. 
Like there was a point where the defense decided this is we're not letting them drive. And I don't know if they just got conservative. Like I said, I didn't watch like every minute of this game, but yeah. I just had it on in the background, so I don't I wasn't really paying close attention, especially when it got I and I turned it off at some point when it was 33 to nothing and then I saw that the I was like going to go turn on whatever the second game of the day was, maybe New England and the Raiders or I don't remember what game it was. Anyway, uh I, w- I went to go look and I'm like, there's no way that game's still on. They just showing highlights of it. And I go look and it was, I think at that point it was 33, 30 or 36, 36 in overtime maybe, right before Minnesota won. Maybe this is the theme for this week is two games in a row. We had, you have to talk about the balance between offensive defense. San Francisco wins that game because of that balance. Mm-hmm. Minnesota comes back in the largest deficit in NFL history because of that balance. Kirk Cousins decides that I'm going to sling it. The offense starts firing. Jefferson comes in, gets 123 yards. Osborne's like, what, 150. We had 190 uh, yards from line of scrimmage for Dalvin Cook. I mean, these guys really came together. And that defense only allowed three points in the second half. And that that synergy, that balance right there is what's key. And, And if you really want to have a comeback, they came back on a really bad team. Let's face it. This team is in shambles. Half their players are still hurt. You know, major starters on the offensive defense. Um, Jonathan Taylor was out. They don't have a number one receiver. Right. They got a 55-year-old quarterback um, who's, like, got roots in the ground. Like, there isn't a lot of positive on that. I just team, saw but- right before we started recording that. Uh, he's not. He's getting benched, and Nick Foles Nick is going to be the starting yeah. quarterback next week. So it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, they're they're done. They're not. Uh, they're probably not winning another game. Like with no Jonathan Taylor, and I mean that's that's putting a lot on the quarterback. Well, and, I would. I I I always I'm, I'm afraid of saying uh, that you should tank. But if there ever was a team that should just like. Hold it together. Just hold the line. It's this team. It might be time to just kind of like resting people and figuring out what your next strategy is. Right. All right. Cool. I think we beat that uh, to death. That cult to death, as it were. (laughs) All right. Uh, The next game, Baltimore at Cleveland. So this is what I have for this. Deshaun Watson got his first touchdown pass of the year. Blah, blah, blah. This game sucked. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. I, I didn't really watch a whole lot of this one either. It was um, Remember, this is do not – or don't get divorced Saturday. So um, <laughs> none of these – I mean, yeah, this was a terrible game as well. Uh, wasn't – yeah, didn't did, – tried to watch as little of it as possible. Uh, I was hoping for a Baltimore loss. I know, Because yeah. I'm hitching my wagon to Cincinnati. Um but on the real, this team looks like they're in a lot of trouble offensively, even with Lamar. I don't yeah. know how. The only thing that I can say is defense travels in the playoffs. Yeah, so that's, true. that's their one thing. But they, they're going to need Lamar back. Tyler Huntley did 138 with an interception, three sacks. And when he, he left day. the game injured as well, right? And a one-legged J.K. Dobbins ran for 125 yards. So that's interesting. Man, that guy looks terrible running the ball. But when I, he's I getting saw, yards. Well, when I saw him break free and that, that limp that he had as he was running, that weird gait, I'm yeah. like, this guy's not 
long for this league right now. So. No, no, it's too bad. 18 for 20, 28, 161 for Deshaun, uh, and a touchdown. Took three sacks as well. I don't know. I don't – I just hope he – Fails. <laughs> Me too. I don't know how else to uh, say yeah. it. I'm just not a fan of this dude. It's all good. Let's. Uh, yeah. So what? What game? What was the nightcap Saturday? That was the Buffalo. Yeah, Miami at Buffalo. Now Miami this one Buffalo. was fun. I caught the tail end of this game. Um, like right when it started to kind of flow. Uh, this was the best version of Josh Allen. Um, he was his ac- his his throws were accurate. He improvised well. He had that TD pass to Cook where um, he was rolling right, uh, running like like he was running out of bounds, and then fired back on the inside. Perfectly thrown. Like the defenders are all like collapsing on the ball, and it's diving to his uh, to I think it was Cook um, mm-hmm. to, for the touchdown pass. Um, they got the two point conversion. Um, it seemed like Miami got off to a slow start. I think that's three weeks in a row where they felt like they got off to a slow start, which is really tough for that team. They need to come out firing. And um, yeah. if if they are you know slow like that, then it's really tough for them to, to make it a game. Well, my boy Primo is a big Miami Dolphins fan. I just He keeps giving me crap about the Seahawks, and I just keep telling him, Primo, you know neither one of our teams are making the playoffs. I just get ready for that. I'm I'm really selling is a harsh um, thing to say, but I'm definitely not high on the Dolphins um, making the playoffs. I think at this they're point. out of the playoffs as we sit today, or maybe they're the seventh. They're either the seventh seed or they're the eighth seed. Looking in, I cannot remember for sure, but they're they're right there on the cusp, and they I think they have some tough games coming. What do they up, call so. it in the hunt? Right. Yeah. All right. So where are they? Um, standings. Playoff. All right. We this. got them. This is Great real time, radio. folks. Yes. <laughs> They're seventh right now. Okay. So this is their who's, schedule. Who's on their heels there? Yeah. Uh, who's on their heels? Well, we have Chargers at six. Eight, See, both okay. teams are eight and six. And then we have the seven and seven Patriots, Jets behind that. And then the Jacksonville, I think they're probably closer to teasing for that four seed yeah. over the Tennessee than they're actually overtaking some of these. Because they're, what, five and nine or something? Uh, the Jacksonville? Yeah. Six and eight. Six and eight, yeah. okay. So Miami's next three games are uh, versus the Packers at home at uh, Patriots. And home versus the Jets. I think those last two are going to be pretty, pretty Absolutely, tough. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, even the Green I think Bay, they Green be... Bay is kind of coming back to themselves. I think it's tough to play at Miami, though. I feel like I just feel like the 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 they're not good enough on defense. The Packers, to, yeah, to, to stop slow down. This. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Yeah, it might be. And if and if they focus on the running game, because that's all that they have right now, the Packers is a running game. If they can. Right. M- you know, slow that down a little bit. I think they definitely have a chance. I uh, love the, yeah, I'll talk about it actually. When we talk about the Monday night game, go ahead. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I think green Bay is. I mean, their last three games are winnable, but those, those last two are going to be really tough Yeah. against, you know, division opponents right. and stuff. So 
when having to go to New England as well, it's gonna. I mean that 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 one might come down to everything right there. So I thought he played well in the in the snow. I, th- I mean they he he looked competent out there. Yeah. Um. Somebody had mentioned like I was listening to a podcast today that there's a lot of passes and stuff interceptions. It hits a lot of hands of the defenders the to a ball, mm. and I'm wondering. They say well, I don't know why they just drop it. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, you know what? It must be is that left that left lefty spin maybe it's maybe. just not hitting the hands that like the way that they're used to or like how they're expecting it to come in exactly yeah. it drifts a different way you know it's all right all right all right we're done with that one yeah all right so next- on to sunday yep well, here we go philly at chicago this game wasn't exactly a barn burner uh but i felt like chicago's defense they can really play i felt like their secondary uh held up pretty well um, they had two interceptions against Hertz. Yeah, Hertz is kind of coming back to earth. I know he's a little dinged up right now. On the pass, but they're rushing. Yeah. Still elite rushing oh, quarterback. 100%. Josh Field, uh, or Justin Fields, I'm sorry, made, I think I texted you at one point, or I texted somebody at one point and was like, Justin Fields just made like the Beast Quake equivalent of a quarterback running the ball, best running where he shakes the defender, goes and, left, yeah, and then spins, yeah, had, comes back, had barely three toes. stepped out yeah. at the nine, had three toes, barely stepped out at the nine, and uh, it got called back, but he made it all. I mean, he ran into the end zone. If it, if it would have been a touchdown play, it would have been probably the greatest quarterback run of all time. So he had one fifty-two passing, two touchdowns, and ninety-five yards rushing. He actually doesn't step out of bounds in that moment. Probably one hundred and ten yards rushing yeah. and an additional rushing touchdown so it was uh, impressive he he's he impresses me aj brown was a load i think this was the difference we talked the uh, the other day about offenses and spreading the defense stretching the defense out and i think without aj brown he didn't score any touchdowns but he had 181 yards and he had these big big plays when they needed it to get them down on the goal line for you know a hurts sneak or a hurts run so such an important piece of that game was aj brown just beating his men yeah you know yeah as a seahawks fan man houston and chicago have done all they can do to tease us the last two weeks by almost winning games that would essentially put them either like equivalent with denver for the number one pick or get denver past them and it's just like god damn it dk metcalf should be watching film of aj brown it's his, that's his college teammate, man. He should, he should be. They should be training together. Or that's something. what I want him to be, honestly. Yeah, Runs great special. routes. He's really no. He's he's, he's a still special, strong. He's a special down, downfield. I don't think I realized how good he was until he left Ryan Tannehill in that Tennessee <laughs> offense. So. Oh man, all right. And that's no shade. I mean, not that I don't think uh, that Jalen Hurts is like that much better of a passer than. Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it's kind of the same offense, just a little more high-speed version of it, you know? Run first, but their quarterback just can run the ball better than Ryan Tannehill could think it, of. It really helps draw that defense up. You get one-on-one matchups because they have to have somebody out there that follows Jalen around. I right. mean, there's a lot of things you can do. And frankly, the way that they're game planning against these individual defenses, one day you got Jalen Hurts running a, you know, a million miles. You, you, next day you got Hurts, or I'm sorry, uh, Brown and uh, Smith pulling 120 a game. Um, they're just all over the place with how they're attacking defenses. So, 
it's got to be fun, honestly, to play on that team. Because you, when hey Miles Sanders, we're going to need you today. You know, oh, all right, cool. I'll do two o two and two touchdowns. Yeah. No, it's uh, and yeah, my Miles Sanders is by no means an elite running back, so it's yeah, they're just they have a good scheme there. There you go. All right, next game: Atlanta at New Orleans. Uh, this game did not look fun. No. Um, I was excited to see Ritter to see how he looked. Uh, he seemed a bit jumpy out there. I guess that's to be expected. Yeah, I was gonna say as to, as he was a little twitchy. Expected. He was like checking his blind spot a lot and it just i didn't feel like he had a good uh he wasn't he didn't have the flow of the game very well right so new orleans looked like they were in control most of the game obviously um there was a late atlanta surge making it a one possession game uh, more on that later so tyler algier looks like christian okoye out there and this is funny in a day and age where there really isn't an okoye that exists so um, i thought that was pretty impressive he looks like one of the most dominant running backs in the league right now um, this was definitely a kitchen sink game for Atlanta. I think at one point they were in like a pistol formation, uh, just doing everything they could uh, in the running game to move the ball. I thought that was pretty crazy. Like they clearly knew that Ritter wasn't ready um, to make big throws and do that kind of stuff. So I think they tried to pivot to um, hand it off to Tyler and try some weird shit and see what happens. Throw some stuff against the wall, see what works. Yeah, I really like uh, Tyler Alger actually. Um, I forget. I was listening to some podcast before the season, uh, right before my fantasy football league draft, and they were like, "This is the rookie running back that you probably want to have," because they were saying like, "How long is just doesn't uh, get enough touches?" Right. Well, they were saying like, "How long is Cordell Dar- uh, Cordero Patterson going to really, you know, if they're going to be moving to, uh, you know, if they're essentially a rebuilding team, like how long are they going to uh, continue on with with having Cordero Patterson be the number lead back like why not get this kid some touches so uh, I, I see a bright future for him though moving forward I think that him and Desmond Ritter could be a, a good little combination uh, going forward for them so so this is probably a good time because I mentioned um, a one possession game this is probably a good time to make note that the 10 o'clock games on Sunday within um i think they all went into the final minutes of that game all in a one possession scenario so there was if you're watching it on the red zone you'd have like like the six screens up as like all these teams it's like the witching hour was like crazy this week so that was a lot of fun i'm just kind of sitting there i'm like standing up in front of my coffee table like what the hell is going on right now it's a pretty exciting i don't know hour of of uh football real-time hour yeah it was uh it was that was a it was a fun 10 o'clock uh group of games this week no doubt all right so our next game is detroit and the new york jets this one again was fun um i'm not sure that i'd want to play detroit right now absolutely not um they've won six out of their last last seven have three really winnable games ahead at carolina home against Chicago and at Green Bay. Um, another efficient game for golf. I mean, that is one of the most like surprising things uh, for me this year, especially with this team, is uh, he had 252 and a touchdown. Um, just kind of like 23 for 38, just going out there, making good throws, play action. Um, the running game, 107, they were able to get up on, you know, out there. So it's just... It's a good, good win uh, for this team. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. It was, uh, it was a pretty fun game to watch. I did have my eye on this one a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing really to add. It was, uh, it was a fun one. I think that, uh, Detroit is, is a blast to watch. I love when they flash to the sideline and you get to see, uh, Dan Campbell losing his mind or going nuts because he's so happy. I just, I love it. Yeah, he's kind of like on an emotional roller coaster most games. Like if something happens, like they have a holding penalty or something when they're in the red zone, that look on his face, like what the hell is going on? Why does this happen every time? <laughs> and then all of a sudden something works and he's like, I just, he can't control himself. So that's, it is fun to watch. Now here's the part that you might not like. All right, Zach Wilson. He is not a good quarterback. But I will say this. He does have an arm. Like when he when he throws it, it looks effortless almost, right? Um, so I think that's what people are attracted to, that ability to just get the ball downfield. Um, he made a couple of good throws on that first touchdown drive, including the one where he kind of like that first, the actual first touchdown was he just kind of like flipped it almost and it just went like 30 yards and landed on the spot. And I go, wow, that's interesting. Um, but I also noticed that same like laissez-faire style of throwing, he lofted an errant ball directly into the hands of the Detroit defender. So it's like, it's like yeah, the same, yeah. it's like the same throwing motion. He doesn't change it. I don't know what he was doing on that backpedaling to his right, flipping something to his left. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm with you. He's not a good quarterback right now. I'm still not giving up on him, though, if I'm the Jets. He was the number two draft pick in the draft last year. You well, can't. first of all, you can't. I, I was actually – I knew you were going to bring this up, so I'm like, I got to have a response to this. You you have to keep him on the roster. He's cheap. You got two more years of a cheap first-round quarterback. You might as well see what you can, you can do with him. And if you can pull him together and, you know, put some duct tape on him or whatever and – you know, keep him on the roster. Maybe you can get some value for him, conditional picks, something like that. You know, in, when you trade him <laughs> year three or whatever. But um, it's he's cheap. You have to keep him on the roster. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. You got to ha- keep him around. I mean, I guess maybe like yeah. I, I mean, just probably. I feel like he. You're probably going into next year as, with him as your starting quarterback. I would. Well, I mean, obviously, it ha- what what does training camp look like? But yeah. um, you have to be honest with yourself. I think he started this year not because he is the better quarterback on that roster, but I think he started this year because that's what people's expectations are. We're going to give him year two. This is where these guys figure shit out. He's not figuring shit out. Yeah. So that's a problem. I think for him, it's mental. I don't think uh, I think yeah. he has the physical skills. He just I mean, yeah, he's not getting drafted number two overall if he doesn't have some physical skills, right? It's just yeah, the, yeah, the what's between the ears for sure. So all right, next game is Pittsburgh at Carolina. Um, we talk about Tennessee sometimes as a one-trick pony. Carolina is kind of the same. Uh, their superpower is running the ball and playing good defense. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they couldn't run against Pittsburgh. Uh, they only managed 21 yards rushing in this game. Um, that's a huge problem. Um, I bet on this game in in uh, the real world because uh, listening to the Bill Simmons million dollar picks episode, he's like, "What about?" He's like, uh, "No, no, uh, no, Kenny Pickett and uh, T.J. Watt." He's like, "I keep hearing T.J. Watt might need uh, season-ending surgery," and so I'm like. Shh inside information all right baby let's go went and bet on that one and lost so 
Yeah, I wouldn't have figured Mitch Trubisky was going to be able to do much either. Um, this well, was he, a, did, he didn't really. Did. Uh, no, we'll get into that in a second here. Um, this was a must win for Carolina to, to, to make it into the playoffs. I mean, right. they were right there on the cusps. This puts them tied with Tampa, uh, and they beat them. So um, I think they would have been in first place. Um, it's still possible. Two of their last three games are against divisional opponents, and if they can go into in those games, they might be able to sneak in with a 7-10 and 10 record. We were probably going to see a division winner with 7-10 and 10 record this year. Oof. That's my guess. Um, Pittsburgh's at the bottom of the a- uh, AFC North. It's time for them to kind of play their role as a spoiler. They're really good at it. You know, coming in, going into Baltimore and destroying them and going into right. Cincinnati and beating them. And they're really good at that role. Um, so I think that's what they're going to be for the remainder of the year. Yep. Yep, I couldn't. I, I don't have anything to add to that game. It was kind of a shit show. <laughs> All right. Speaking of a shit show, Dallas at Jacksonville. Oh uh, Dak looks sharp, I will say. Like I said, I mentioned this several times. When that ball comes out, it looks like a good ball. He can spin that MFR really well. Like where it lands, I guess, is Dallas's defense, kind of the problem. I. They got had some injuries. They took some else. Yeah, they they did not look like a cohesive unit this this week at all. Right. And I mean, I yeah, like I want to give Trevor Lawrence praise, but I don't know how much of it was Dallas's defense. They're still a really good not, defense. Not looking good, or if it was. They're still was a really good defense. Out. They still had Micah Parsons. They still had Lawrence. Yeah. They still have that secondary. They had some interior linemen um, that were injured in the game, and they yeah. had one guy out. Um, but I think they're still a top five, six defense. Like, yeah. you know, the team that they had suited up uh, Yeah, on they're Sunday. probably two or three behind the 49ers if they're healthy. Yeah. Um, I really liked Trevor in this game. He responded well down 14. Um they were making a push for that lead. Dallas defense, oh, like we mentioned, had some quite a bit of injury problems. There's that fumble that Trevor had that I was like, they were just driving, yeah. and, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. It's right. over. Like, at the time, I think I made a note that it's over. But they just kept fighting. Yeah, it was crazy, man. They just kept, they would not go away. So this was the only game that I left let out, like an audible woohoo, and I was just, like, fist-pumping. I'm like... When that when that weird tip interception thing happened, they had to play it several times because they were unclear whether the ball hit, hit the, the ground. ground. Right. And I'm like, nah, that's a pick, yo. It was crazy. That's so who, I want to know who you were fist bumping. Were you fist bumping your wife and your daughter? It's like, come here, guys. No, I wasn't. No, like everyone's. Just I was just yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm just giving you a hard yeah. time. I'm like, I, I figured, I'm not. I'm not doing pounds or fist uh, bumping. I'm fist pumping. <laughs> fist pumping. Yeah. Got it. Got All right. It. So I think this is a good time to talk about Trevor Lawrence this year. Okay. So he's last year he had a total of thirty six forty one passing yards. He's thirty five twenty right now. I think with three games to go. With three games to go, that's roughly two fifty a game if we're being um, conservative, and that's going to put him about forty two hundred. I think that's a realistic number. Um, I think I had that a little higher. I wanted him around 48. I don't think that's going to, that's in the books, but he's playing out of his mind right now. I think he has uh, 24 touchdown uh, passing touchdowns to seven picks this year. 
to put it in perspective, yesterday or last year was 12, uh, 12 TDs to 17 picks. So he's really minimized his mistakes. We had talked about him um, under uh, Doug Peterson being able to, you know, pl- will elevate his quarterback play. So he also added four rushing touchdowns this year. So that's that's pretty cool. So I think he's doing pretty well. I like his trajectory as a second year starter uh, for Jacksonville. I look for, um, for if, him. If I'm to a increase. Jacksonville fan, I'm super excited about the future. And I love his maturity. He fumbled, he came back, and he, he's competing and competing. And he takes responsibility yep. for the errors that he makes in the games. He's not, you know, he's not like trying to blame it on or not take responsibility. Like that, we talked about that with Zach Wilson. Yep. When he said he didn't think he had let the defense down. And no, I'm good, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, 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 that's a good sign. I think, I think that, that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have bright futures ahead of them. Uh, I think Trevor's one and uh, Justin's two for sure. Yeah. I want to see a little bit more out of the passing game from Justin to like really elevate yeah. him past that. But man, he's a beast when he's running. Yeah, he's fun to watch. All right, fun so these watch. are the oh, no, this was still this is the last um, morning game. This is uh, Casey in Houston. Man, this was scary. I realized that this Crazy. was this was the Texans versus the Texans. Because the KC Chiefs right. were originally the Dallas Texans in the AFL, right, right. and then they switched their name. They actually had to uh, Houston had to ask them for permission to use the name. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's, so that's there you go. Casey's defense—they're um, going to be a problem in the playoffs. They—they they are letting like really bad teams move the ball on them, and it—it—it's. This is why Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, the best player in the league, and should be MVP. Yeah. Because he single-handedly is keeping them in these games. Well, you give the guy the ball with 30 seconds to go in the game, he's going to get you a few. You know, if you're down by less than three, he's going to yep. either tie it or get you the get you the win. So, I mean, he's a, he's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. Just, like, what he does to keep this the team chugging along is incredible. Yeah, that, that was shocking. That was really shocking to see them – hanging where Houston hanging with Kansas City. Well, it's not really too shocking because they've been playing really they've been playing teams really tough. They and they play well throughout the game. It's just that last 5 or 10 minutes, maybe even the fourth quarter where it's just like they start to slowly deteriorate right. and make mistakes and they they're pressing too much. Um they're we want to play fast. We don't want to, you know, <laughs> we but we don't want to be um they're not playing with the urgency that they need. You see it in basketball sometimes when, when things are getting tight in like a college game or whatever, and they're like running up and down the court and they're just frantic. Right. And they're knocking the ball out of bounds. And tells like, he needs a T.O., baby. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you got, and I don't know what, because they have so many timeouts. It's not what it's about. I think they're the quick quicksand team for me this year. Like yeah. everything's going well. And then all of a sudden they're just, sinking yeah. slowly into the into the earth um yeah no i, I couldn't agree with you. it's funny man i'm i'm a psychopath mike like 90 mm. percent of my nfl viewing right like at this point of the year is trying to figure out what's best for seattle's draft pick that they're getting from denver <laughs> and i was like i was like man i was like we can't have kansas city lose this game to houston because we need them to stay tied with Can- or, uh, with uh, Buffalo so that they're still playing next week when Kansas City uh, plays Denver because I don't want them, like, if, if Buffalo gets... You don't want them resting. Yeah, I don't want like Buffalo that. getting so far ahead that, or, uh, you know, clinching that number one seed prior to, the, prior to next week. So, anyway. Well, speaking of that pick um, we're getting from Denver, uh, we're talking about uh, Arizona at Denver now. Oh, um, this game was just ugly. 
Uh, I actually watched this whole stinking game, bro. Like, (laughs) disgusting. I I feel sick to uh, to my stomach that I even wasted three hours of my life watching this shit show. So the, the, the difference of this was Denver's ability to run. They ran for 168 and two TDs. No, no. Brett Rippin threw for one. I don't want to cut, cut you off. That is not what this, what decided this game was that last week in the first quarter, Kyler Murray blows his knee out on a non-contact injury. And then Colt McCoy gets, a, uh, uh, is starting and playing fairly well and moving the ball and gets a concussion in the, at the end of the first quarter. He was 13 for 21, 78 yards, and a pick, sacked twice. He wasn't okay. moving the ball very well. Well, he at least had them winning. They were winning the game when he was – it was over. As soon as he left the game, it was over. Trace McSorley is not that dude. Sorry, anyway. There's just two bad teams going at it. And very bad. The running game was the difference. It is what it is. Agree. Okay, fine. All right. You got me. I think we're still have. I think we still have the third pick, right? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, but now they're tied. Like if they get, they're playing the Rams this weekend, though. So it's at least it's in LA. But I mean, that's just gonna be a bunch of Denver fans in LA. God damn it! And I'm, I'm like convinced we're gonna end up with like the seventh pick. I wonder, like that would be my game. motivation, my only motivation to play well on that team is to like, well, we're gonna like give, screw we're, you, we're gonna so give no. the worst like pick that Seattle can have. Yeah, we're going to win. Sure. We're going to win six games. <laughs> we're going to, they're going to have like the seventh Jesus. pick and the 19th pick. It's going to be a disaster. I think Seattle, uh, there's a chance Seattle could end up with two top 10 picks. I've been, I've been crunching numbers like crazy. Crunching numbers. I'd like to see your numbers. All right. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Mark. Next, <laughs> next game. Uh, <laughs> New England at Las Vegas. This was had a crazy ending. So Mac, Holy Mac shit. daddy Jones looks terrible. Uh, 13 for 31. That's 42%. 112 yards. And, and he was smushed into the turf by Chandler Jones by that stiff arm at the end of the game. Oh, my God. I think they, New England really has an offensive coordinator problem. And I'm wondering, like, why are we continuing to, like, wheel Matt Patricia out there in, like, the um, Hannibal Lecter mask and just, like, there to just, like, tear up that their team. I just I don't get why what yeah, they're doing i heard that like, i didn't realize that in training camp they had matt patricia and joe judge were just competing to be the offensive coordinator basically and like matt patricia just wasn't as terrible as joe judge was so he got the job yeah what's that Seems movie like with uh carrie where he's um where they're trying to return the uh the suitcase to Lauren Holly. Oh, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. It's like, which <laughs> one of the... Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Yeah, just which one is smarter? Yeah, exactly. And you just, you can't, you don't know. <sighs> so, um, despite all of this, Las Vegas just was really intent on keeping this game close. They made that, a lot of boneheaded mistakes. Honestly, I was watching the end of this game because I had... The Raiders. How can they still be the Raiders? Like, you have, they've... You got forty years of turnover yeah. and different coaches, but they still do the same stupid shit. Well, that they shouldn't have gotten the touchdown at the end of the game with thirty seconds left anyway to tie it, because that why I forget what wide receiver it was, Keelan Cole maybe, or I don't know if that was him or not. Anyway, he was clearly out of bounds. Like his second foot comes down on the line, like he was out of bounds. I watched it. I couldn't believe they called it. Uh, that said the 
uh, ruling on the field had been confirmed because usually they say the ruling unless they I mean unless they had a view because even like the broadcasters were like do they have a view that we don't have because that did not look <laughs> like it was into us so yeah Derek Carr still three touchdowns and a pick I mean that's not bad <clears throat> no. 20 for 38 it's a lot of passing he's a mediocre quarterback I mean he's middle of the road um somewhere he's gonna be- win you somewhere some between games, eight and 12 you. that's yeah. where I'd put him he's gonna win you some games yeah. gonna lose you some games yeah, I'm just like, and the only reason he's that high is because there's not very many good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah, sure. I would say at the top end, quarterback play is still there. We got a couple of guys that we're used to seeing out there that are playing pretty good that aren't you know, Aaron right. Rodgers and Tom Brady, but um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, but yeah, I mean Russell Wilson's plummeted much farther than Derek oh, Carr. No doubt, no doubt. All right. right. So, Ramadre Stevenson, I just want to give him a call call out for this game is the one bright spot for the New England, aside from their defense. 172, rushing, and a touchdown. So Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Good job by you. Good job, buddy. All right, Tennessee at the Chargers. Um, This was a match between a team in Tennessee that is super limited. Um, Their running game did pretty well, 127, two touchdowns collectively. But the secondary had a rough day. I think that was the difference. Their defense didn't kind of um, step up like they needed to. Justin Herbert throws for uh, 313 yards. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen catch uh, 67 and 86, respectively. Um, Man, this team would be a perfect kind of Air Coriel team uh, to run, uh, but they run this West Coast-style offense, which I don't understand. They have these guys that are very good with the deep ball very good at running routes and they have a big arm quarterback that can get it out there and get it out there fast and accurate. Um, They have a couple of other speedsters like they could line up in the slot. They really should be stretching these defenses much more than they are, but it seems like uh, Joe Lombardi's really content about running everything short, going for yaks, a typical kind of ceiling uh, razor West coast style. Um, I think they should switch some things up a bit. Yeah. challenge Herbert yeah. makes you look good like if it looks good why change it but I don't you're not maximizing his potential no. or your offensive potential and frankly they could use some offense in some of these games yeah and I feel like Herbert's like right on the cusp of a top five quarterback to me for sure Ooh, I'd like, have to take a look but I might put him in top five. yeah he might even be in the top five yeah but uh, yeah I, I put I, him for I, Lamar right now yes yes for sure but yeah um yeah, I was ha- I'm rooting for the Chargers. I want to see the Chargers get in the playoffs. Um, I'm rooting, yeah, I'm rooting for them. So. All right, cool. All right, Cincinnati. And, I, and sorry, and I need them to beat Denver in week seven or week eighteen. So. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right. See, I just my 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 whole my whole strategy is let the chips fall. I'm just going right. to let it happen the way it happens. I I'm wish not I could concern myself with it. I have friends that bet on sports and they don't watch the game that they bet on. They're just like, oh, it's whatever that's going to happen is going to happen. I'm like. <laughs> I'm sitting there like 30 minutes before the game, like on the edge of my seat. So anyway, go ahead. There you go. We're, we're crazy like that. All right. Cincinnati at Tampa Bay. Man, Tampa Bay got off to a good start. A lot of play, I was shocked. Yeah. A lot of play action. They were getting predictable, like hand it off on first down, hand it off on second down. So they started to put in a little play action there, and I think it really caught the defense off guard. But, man, they figured it out. They switched some stuff up. Second half, Cincinnati. Um, well, right off the bat, 
the Tampa Bay offense decided it was time to go on a epic turnover streak. So they started with a turnover on downs, interception, fumble, fumble, interception. That, those were their <laughs> their possessions. Cincinnati yeah. was able to convert those uh, turnovers into 21 points. Uh, man, that pretty much decides the game. When you, yeah. when you turn it over that many times, it's it impossible was, I was to shocked, win the game. Man. I was shocked that you keep thinking Tom Brady's going to bounce back, and he just is not doing it. He doesn't have the team to do it. He really doesn't. But, yeah, I think, the it's, all, I think it's all the offensive lines. Yeah. He still has great receivers. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a decent couple of them are getting back. healthy. Chris Godwin looked good. 83 yards yeah, and a touchdown. Yeah, he did look all right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't have much else to say about this game. All right, moving on. We have the Giants-Washington game. We kind of talked about this in our uh, first part of our conversation today. Uh, Brian Dayball, Dayball is holding the Giants season together with like duct tape and zip ties and <laughs> WD-40. MacGyver in the whole He's thing. MacGyver in the shit out of this team. Uh, this week, they also got a lot of help from the refs with a couple horrible calls. So especially towards the end of that game. Um, man, I'm not sure. Twitter was on fire for the, all these I terrible I teeter calls. between the... How did the the side judge see that he double tapped that and stayed in bounds, or that his shoulder fell in that split second that it happens? And they're yeah. they're like the accuracy at which they're it's a catch or not a catch, right? It's right there, and then they blow like the roughing the passer calls and the defensive pass interference. Right. And I get that they're probably told in the end of the game, don't allow a defensive penalty to dictate how the game goes. Yeah. But you have to. It's part of the game. If he's if if you're gonna allow a guy to mug somebody in, in the, the end, end zone, zone yeah. you're you are allowing them to the defense to change the game. Right. Well then you know it's sorry man to go back now to, to the first game we discussed with that Seahawks 49ers game we didn't talk about when uh not Kittle but uh Bosa sacks Geno Smith and like doesn't really drive him into the ground from my perspective and I'm a freaking diehard Seahawks fan yeah it didn't and Geno like throws a pick six that gets called back I was like whoa all right I guess that's uh yeah I guess they're letting them play today I don't know or not letting them play today because that was wild man I could not believe they called that back so. on some level I just want some consistency on that stuff yeah I, I think they're gonna eventually have to make it so that it's a reviewable play because if you're just gonna I mean if the they tried ref, that on pass or on uh, roughing the passer they oh did? roughing the passer yeah, yeah. On roughing the, I'm talking about roughing the passer just because now they're saying like if you drive the guy into the ground because that didn't look like a you know I've seen a few this year that uh, you know, like obviously the defender can only do so much to not land on the quarterback. Do you, do you think that's him. because of the, the couple collarbone snaps from Aaron Rodgers? Missed that a couple be. of seasons. Do that? that could be that really could be. All right. Well, anything else to add to this game? It wasn't no. like a barn burner or anything. No, no. I All right. Giants not. win 20 to 12. All right. There you go. Congratulations, Giants. <laughs> and speaking of unimpressive games, um, our last game here is the Rams at uh, the Green Bay Packers. Terrible. Baker Mayfield fell back to earth, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't much better. I mean, that's kind of like, here's your quarterback conspiracy, uh, comparison. The real difference in this in this case was the, uh, Tampa, uh, the Tampa Bay, the Green Bay running game. Yeah. Um, they were outstanding. They had 138 yards and two touchdowns. I know A.J. Dillon left the game. He was really getting some run, too, and he like, he had to leave the game yeah, with an picks. injury. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, two uh, touchdowns. Yeah, I don't Tugs. know if he uh, 
I don't know if he's going to play this week or not, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, Jalen Ramsey seems to be competing right now, so that's good, but I'm not sure there's anyone else on that defense that looks mildly. Greg um, Gaines been doing a little get, bit of work with Taylor Rapp's got some got they got all some my shots of guys that are on um, the Rams Bobby man. Wagner I mean honestly feels like he's a he's a step slow in a lot yeah. of cases so I don't know he might be done but yeah there's not a lot of good things going on in that defense so. no it might at four and ten it might be time to just chalk that thing up yeah I think you're right but I know I need them to beat Denver this weekend they have to beat Denver this weekend all right all right well, that's it. That's the wrap for uh, week 15. All right. Well, yeah, we'll uh, get into some of our uh, looking ahead to, to next week and some of the bets we want to put in. Yeah, so um, this – man, it's it's been tough, like, looking at these games just trying to find some value in it because I'm kind of running up against it. I could go either way these next three weeks. I'm only 200 up. Um, so I'm going to play with some stuff. So I got Jacksonville minus one and a half at the Jets and a Zay Jones touchdown. That's uh, plus 428. So I think that's some potential there, the way that Trevor's playing. And um, Wait, so what was the what's the bet? Jacksonville minus one and a half. Okay. At Jets and a Zay Jones touchdown. Boom. I like it. Yeah. I like it. You're getting, you're getting down in the weeds here. Let's yeah, go. I am. Yep. Um well, I have Seattle plus nine and a half as well at Kansas City, uh, mm. minus one ten. I think I heard we the, can keep it close. I well, heard close the, uh, within a touchdown. Yeah, so like there's a crazy like cold cold streak going across the Midwest this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be like minus thirteen or, or something. It's going to be well. I think the wind chill is going to make it feel like negative seventeen in Kansas City. I was like, holy shit, that's yeah. going to be cold. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I goes. think their defense is going to let us score some points. And that's yeah. that's kind of why I'm taking the yeah, points. Yeah, I could see yeah. it. I could see it. All right. I also got Atlanta money line at Baltimore. Um, I'm parlaying that with the Washington um, at San Francisco. I took the San Francisco money line there. That's uh, So I'm looking for Atlanta to win outright, San Francisco to win outright at plus 404. So that's, uh, that's an exciting one yeah, I like if that. that hits. And then Tampa at... Um, I took Arizona on the money line with this because I'm really selling Tampa. This is probably a mistake, but at plus 210, I thought it was an acceptable risk. Mm. We'll see what happens. Maybe Colt McCoy's back. He's not. They He's already not. ruled him out. Uh, there you go. But Trace. we'll see. Oh, that's man. right. He, they did that today. Today, yeah. yeah. Now, I wanted to make note that the week coming up, week 16, there are only two divisional matchups this week. Okay. So it, that's Houston and ten, at Tennessee and uh, Philadelphia at Dallas. Okay. So that means those last two weeks are going to be what what we really are really going to determine where everyone lands in these playoffs. So um, we're not going to see a lot of these. I mean, a win's a win, a loss is a loss. I get that part, but when we're talking about division, who wins the NFC um, uh, South? South? Who wins the AFC South? Like. It's these tight. It's all coming who, down. Who, who wins um, the uh, AFC North? Though that's going to come down wild, to those, those last two. AFC games. wild card teams. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Is it? Is are the Jets going to be able to do it? Can Can the New Patriots England pull can, it out? You know, they're all alive, man. It's yep. It's fun to watch. For a lot sure. of teams. So yeah, um, it'll be a fun week for that alone. Yeah, just to sure. see what the playoff picture looks like. Looking forward to it too. So yeah, my uh, my week. Uh, my, my week, uh, what, 16 games that I'm betting on, 
I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers minus four at Indianapolis. Um, just feel like Indianapolis, uh, that that's going to be – how do you come back from something like that, uh, losing a 33-point lead in the second half? Uh, so I'm feeling good about that one. I have 49ers minus seven against the Commanders. Um, just, again, I feel like 49ers are too good of a team, and – it feels like Washington and Tyler Heineke are kind of coming back to earth. Uh, so I'm feeling good with that one. And then I took the Jags. Like, if you didn't already bet, put enough bets in on Jacksonville and the Jets, I took the under 38 for that one as well. So hmm, that's interesting. my third bet. Yeah. I just don't feel like – I think the Jets' defense is good. I think the Jets' offense is terrible. I think that it's there's not going to be a lot of points. And it's a Thursday night game. Yeah, those those tend have a tendency, but the under is really low. Yeah, it's only thirty eight. Yeah, I saw there was a thirty two point. It might have been the Tennessee, uh, or no, maybe that, that's the thirty five and a half now. Um, let's see what else. There was have. one game that was like thirty two and a half points was the over under, which is just unheard of. It's got to be that game. It's it's gone up a little bit, but okay. So yeah. Anyway, Crazy. those those are my three for the week and. Uh, yeah, good luck to you, Mike. Good luck <laughs> to me, to you, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I think I yeah. So I'm at one ten. Hopefully, I can get get a little more into the uh, black or the green or whatever you want to call it. All right, Jeremy's question of the week. What do you got? All right, so Mike, with you know, like Americans love stats and records and things like that. We have to know who's the best. What do we do though now to gauge NFL records with? The 17 game schedule. Yeah, we've done this before. We started off with 12 games, right. moved to 14 in the 60s, uh, 16 in 1978, stayed that way till 2020. Uh, then we have the last two seasons at 17 games. So we've been through this before. I think the unfortunate part about when we're talking about career totals, it is what it is. Some players had more opportunity to amass stats. We can, t- we can talk right. about injuries, we can talk about more games, whatever the case is. There, hey, you play an extra game. Maybe you injure yourself. You have more opportunity for injuries. Maybe you miss some other games down the line. Yeah. Um, shorter, you know, you, you're playing more games over uh, a se- like your career. Um, like you have five-year career playing five extra games than somebody was playing, you know, five years ago. So there's always something in there. So I think it, that's the only way that you can look at it because it's what we've been doing. Like right. a 2,000-yard season by O.J. Simpson, honestly, means a lot more – than a 2,000 year uh, yard season by Chris Johnson because he played only I think it was 14 games back then. Right, same with uh, Jim Brown, right? Like Jim Brown it? never got to. Oh, he never got to 2,000. Never got to 2,000. Anyway, yeah. So they, yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I think uh, because my question and the other question was like, how do you if you break a record? How I mean, is there an asterisk next to it? Is it there... can't be because we don't put the asterisks for the other ones That's either. That's true. You, you have to let it roll. And you have to be, and I mean, well, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm curious, like, I mean, I, I know last year or the year before, uh, um, Derek Henry was on the precipice of rushing for 2000 yards. He'd have been the only one to do it twice. And yeah. it, yeah. And it was, does he do it? And if, can he get to it in 16 games that I remember people like kind of having that conversation? Well, like then what, you can compare the seasons, like how he looked one season to the other, if he right. can do it in that time right. frame. So, uh, so, I, so I guess for comparing, that brings up a good point. We should look at the splits, we, yards per whatever. So right. like when you compare 
um, Barry Sanders to Jim Brown, you got to go, okay, what are his yards per carry? Right. And it's 5.2 for Jim and 5.0 for, um, for Barry. And mm-hmm. when you start to think about when you compare these teams, these, these players from different eras, you have to have some sort of uh, yeah. numerical way to compare them, quantitative way to compare them. So I think that's the easiest way to do it. Kind of look at what their splits are. Um, Now, when we look at, I think the other thing we need to look at, what's a good year mean anymore? Back when I was collecting. A thousand yards was like a big thing. Exactly. Exactly. So when we were collecting baseball cards back as kids, they had those cards where you get like a Jerry Rice and it was a member of the thousand yard club. And um, John Elway, member of the 3000 yard club. And we're like, wow, these guys are amazing. And they were. But now we have more games obviously one more game for those two examples but so when you look back on it when it was a big deal and and when it was 12 games it's about 85 yards a game for a receiver and a running back to get to that thousand and then it was about 250 yards per game to get to that 3,000 for a quarterback. So if you extrapolate that out now, a good season for a running back would be about 1,500 yards, and a good season for a quarterback would be about 4,300. So I think you can start going, was this a good season? Did you get to 4,300? Were you around that threshold? Sure. If you are a receiver and a running back, did you get to 15? Then, you, you know. You're probably a, a, good way to look probably a top three. And I think no matter how many games you add eventually, you can still 85 yards a game, 300, you know, 250 yards a game. Yeah. Where do you measure up? You know, are you on pace for that level of calculation? So Right. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Good question. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, all right. You want to go to uh, our, our what is it conspiracy to take corner, corner? Yeah. Take corner? <laughs> all right so i don't have a lot this week honestly okay. i had the r.i.p franco harris we did talk about that at the beginning of the pod um man there isn't a lot of things to uncover in the nfl right now um so let's say what do you got um so gardner Minshew, mm. fresh off of delivering the eulogy at um Mike Leach. Mike Leach's uh, funeral. Sorry, I blanked on his name for a second there. Uh, fresh off the th- giving the eulogy at his, uh, at his funeral, I think, is going to come out against the Cowboys and do really well. I have a good feeling that Philadelphia is not even going to miss a beat with him in there. And I think he's going to set himself up to be the number one free agent quarterback in the offseason. So, Not that that's a big – like I think Geno Smith and – Jimmy Garoppolo or the other two that are in contention for that. But I I think that Gardner Minshew is finally going to get a shot next year, and I'm, I'm anxious to see what he can do. So the Eagles need to win one of three games in order to seal the number one seed. Their games are against the Cowboys at, at in Dallas, the Saints at home, and the Giants at home. These aren't easy games. The Saints, at least defensively, are a tough team. Uh, Giants, who knows what you're going to get with them. Um, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on Minshew here. I say pressure's off. Go for it. Do your best. Um, If they lose this game, they have a couple more opportunities. So I don't think they're stressing about it either way. I'd like to see them get that number one seed, but 
I don't. I'm not sure it's going to happen here, and I believe that um, the Cowboys are the favorite. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I have a good feeling, man. I think uh, that's just my kind of one of my hot takes. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dallas screw, is minus screw five. Dallas, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am always happy when yeah. they go down. Yeah. Another one, just kind of like an off the cuff. I I really think Detroit's making the playoffs, and I think nobody in the NFC wants to see them in there because that, yeah, that's yeah. going to be a tough out, a very tough out. Uh, and then the the one other thing I did have, Mike, was that I saw an interesting article on ESPN, or uh, yeah, on ESPN this week, um, and it's kind of all over the internet. But uh, NFL inf- officials have informed the owners of the league's 32 franchises that teams have spent $800 million That's on fired right. coaches and front office executives over the past five years. I saw years. this article. I flagged it. I forgot crazy. about it. That's crazy, bro. $800 million. That's wild, man. They got to start hiring. I don't know what they do to make better hires or if you just don't fire a guy after one. Because, like, Nathaniel Hackett's gone. Like, there's... There's no question he's getting fired. After Honestly, we talk about the fact that owners making certain choices um, for head coaches and GMs and office. They try to find people that they can relate to, people like them. Jeff Saturday, because um, uh, cocaine Jim Irsay loved him. So, <laughs> I guess my point is, is like you need to stop doing that. You are throwing money down the tube for yeah. no reason. And if I was a player, I'd be like. You guys just spent $40 million to pay a guy that doesn't even coach this team anymore, and Lamar Jackson can't get this guaranteed yeah, money. No. I'm like, what the Come hell on. is going on? I also Come heard on. I also heard that, um, was it Ken Griffey is the highest paid uh, red on the— <laughs> Oh, still today? Yeah. Shit, man. Every July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah. The Mets still have to it's bonkers what these guys do. We think they're so smart because they're quote-unquote businessmen right. or, you know, whatever. Um, but they just – that it was an astonishing. Almost a billion dollars worth of lost money In collectively. Five years. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. All right. Well, Tighten uh, your shit up. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's move on to our uh, diversity segment here and and finish this bad boy up. Do you have anything other than... uh, Uh, Yeah, I do. Real quick, um, I watched part four of the Shaquille O'Neal documentary on HBO Max. Loved it. Fantastic. If you're a fan of sports, I think go four. Four. It's only four. Uh, This one leads from um, him going to Miami to... uh, Cleveland. And then, yeah, it's just the end to Phoenix, uh, (laughs) end of his career. Yeah. And when he kind of knew it was over, um, when he like ruptured his Achilles tendon. Um, yes. And he was, it was, it was interesting because he talked about how he was almost relieved that that happened Mm. and he could walk away. It was just like, my body's done. Can't do it anymore. But goes kind of in depth into his relationship with Pat Riley and, how Pat Riley's like whole mantra is like, I want my players in the best possible shape. And Shaq's like championship. Number one, I was 325 pounds championship. Number two, I, he's like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was eating all summer, not working out championship. Number two, 345 pounds was still couldn't really tell me much. Wasn't, wasn't working out hard. Then championship three, I was 365 and my toe got banged up and this got banged up and I was just like I'm about done 
and then obviously the debacle in uh in what 2002 or 2003 and then he goes off to miami and they he pat riley just whips him into shape basically and yeah gets him back uh you know he looked like some vintage shack there for a couple of years and they got their championship so uh but he did make one statement where uh the the documentarian says from off camera like can we do something earlier than one o'clock tomorrow and he just like looks at him and he's just like no i don't go to bed till five o'clock in the morning and uh they're like oh okay no no problem he's like yeah i don't sleep He's like, ever since Kobe and my sister died, I can't sleep. And they're like, well, what, what's that all about? And he's just like, didn't, you know, didn't like I knew, like he knew my, to. he's like, knew my sister had cancer. Didn't know it was terminal. Nobody told me that. And mm. next thing I'm, you know, she's on her, on her deathbed. I'm like, could have fucking, you know, sorry, excuse my language. I could have taken her to Paris or england or i could have taken her on trips and tried to do as much as i could and he's like talks about how you know as a kid or whatever you think like i have i just want all this money i want to have power i want to have all this stuff but at the end of the day or maybe it was his mother was saying this that at the end of the day like you could have all the money in the world but illness and these things don't stop yeah Yeah. but i thought that was interesting that he yeah that that seems pretty profound to have that idea I was going to yeah. say, like, to not kind of switch it up, but it's something that you had you had mentioned um, kind of resonated with me. is like he was not like the gym rat. And it was part of, like, why him and Kobe, like, butted heads initially is right. because Kobe expected him to come in in shape, and he just – he wasn't, right? And he would work himself into shape throughout the year. He wasn't maximizing his potential the way that at least Kobe – and apparently a lot of people actually felt that way. So yeah. it wasn't unique. But he also did that thing where if he was hurt, he would sit out. And if you if you compare and contrast him with Alonzo Mourning, who was like, give me a shot. Give me this. Give me that. I'll get back out there. And he ended up having like that kidney disease that they think was uh, basically caused in large part by his use of anti-inflammatories. Right. So I always got I was thought it was an interesting way for him to kind of like come to terms with that. There's a certain amount like of toughness and fighting through pain that you're going to have to do as an athlete. But like once it gets to a point where it's chronic, we, we have to let it heal. And so I always appreciated him for that, that idea. Yeah. um, Oh, and the one other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this episode, he, because this one, they, they had Dwayne Wade in there quite a bit and, uh, Dwayne Wade said, you know, he came up to me like right after uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, I actually was in L.A. for the ESPYs when the trade was announced and Shaq was there, too. And they were like, oh, you know, now you guys are teammates. What do you think? And he's just like, you know, he's a second year player. He doesn't know anything. He just got done with his second year in the NBA. Uh, And he said that him and Shaq sat down and, and Shaq just kind of explained to him what went wrong with his relationship with Penny Hardaway. And then what went wrong with his relationship with Kobe? And he said, Shaq just told me, look, young fellow, this is your team. I'm just here to, to help guide, you know, help guide you if you need it. And I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to make you as successful as I know you can be. And just had, what a great way to had a really that's good, growth though. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So good, good documentary worth the, you know, four hours, three and a half hours uh, of total time, probably. I'm in the middle of two. I got to get to it. I just, you know, the holidays, I have to like 
Yeah, no be, doubt. You know, hang with people. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and you burned through our next uh, our next topic here. So. Well, the reason I did is I really wanted. We've been discussing this on and off over the last couple of weeks. We yeah. introduced it last week, I believe. You had started it. I hadn't. Last chance, you basketball yep. season two. Man, um, Coach Mosley, I love him. There were times watching, I think, episode six through eight, five through eight, where I was like crying. Like I was tearing up. Yeah, it definitely gets you emotional. And I was like laughing and smiling. Just I didn't even know it. Like my my wife was like, why why are you smiling? I'm like, oh, nothing, (laughs) something from this. (laughs) Like when they started breakdancing, you could see the progression where they all get in there and they want the playing time. And they're they're good on paper, seven footer. Right. Um, This kid. Shamar, like these these guys were successful in other areas, but they they have some significant like trauma in life or whatever. We've yeah. been talking about like what makes a good coach. It is X's and O's, yes. It is like management, yes. You have to manage people in the organization, but it's also about teaching. And when you're teaching professionals, you don't have to teach them how to be men. Usually, you kind of have to teach them how to be professionals. And what that means and you have to teach their skill sets and you have to make sure that they understand what they're supposed to do when you're talking about high school and especially college kids and that 18 to 20 range old enough to do damage to themselves and the people around them it is so important that you have a plan of attack to deal with some of the, the things that they have to deal with And when you're talking about people that are just naturally talented at something, but have a a major flaw or issue that's preventing them from truly realizing their success, it is very delicate how you work with those guys. And he took great pain, Coach Mosley, to essentially break them down to their core and remove a lot of the distractions and a lot of ego that gets in the way with some of these guys. He kept guys on the bench that he knew were good because when the time comes and you're ready to accept your role, you're going to come in big for us. And I just really appreciate that. And you could see as this is progressing and obviously they edit it so that it, you know, there might've been a little bit more back and forth, but they edited it in a way, but you can, you can follow the three acts or whatever, where, you know, the introduction of characters and then the, the real problem where they're, they're all fighting and screaming and he's mad and he's questioning whether he can coach. And then the third act, right? Everything is, settling in there they go on a 17 game winning streak and it's just the one thing that really stood out for me was when he was talking about the kid that he was working with that was autistic and how yeah he was going through his normal way of handling stuff and realized really soon that that was an effective way for him that kid would come in and get anxious with the with the yelling and the chatter and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And he knew he really needed to get to him a different way. And he was able to adapt and it just be a better, like a different coach for well, him and, and for everyone. And you could see in the one game that that kid was having like a really hard time, like coping with like, he was getting like some bad fouls called on yep. him that probably shouldn't have been called. And then like they were letting 
the other team like was really pushing like roughing him, him up and yeah. pushing him around and he just like lost it and had to leave the game yeah. and go back to the locker room and the team ended up winning anyway and and they all went in and kind of embraced him and the coaches were like look man we just gotta we gotta manage this stuff and and uh we'll, you know we'll get back out there next time yeah I, I really appreciated the way that they uh they handled that situation. Um, Coach Rob is my like I I yeah. love Coach Rob man. He's so he seems like such a genuine, just like great guy. And it was he funny. let Shamar like like stay with him because he didn't have a house during yeah. that COVID stay. Yeah. I mean, he's doing laundry and the whole. Th- I mean, yeah, it was crazy. I it's, it's funny the on subtle teachings. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say on Twitter. I follow Last Chance U's Twitter account or whatever, oh. and they posted. Like who who was your favorite character from season two of of uh, Last Chance U basketball? And I was like Coach Rob, no doubt or whatever. I like put I, I looked up to see if he had a Twitter handle and he did. So I put you know, whatever his name is. Uh, it's like Coach Two R or something yeah, like yeah. that because his name's Rob Robinson, I think. And he ended up getting a job like at the end of the season. They they tell you where he's working now, right? As a head coach, which is cool, but college and Ocean side, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I was like Coach Rob for sure, and he, I don't know if he either liked it or retweeted it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, this dude's awesome. And then I saw he put uh, he put uh, underneath. He was like, it was Coach. He said it was definitely Coach Rob's wife. Like that's what he put for his favorite character from the show. I was like, that's <laughs> hilarious because it seems like him and his wife had that. I like that they just touch on all those different aspects, right? Because, you know, like you think of a coach, like you don't think of him as a person usually, like especially when you're a kid or a uh, high school or whatever the case, like like that's just your authority figure more or less. You're not thinking of them kind of outside, like that they were you once and that they were – Yeah. That they're a person. They're going through stuff, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that really kind of broke me up and I just was starting to get a little emotional when his team was not putting that effort in there's it was a particular like eight minute sequence or something like that and his team's not doing it right and they're not they're not they're like I don't care he kept saying like oh I don't care oh when when the coach from D1 comes to me and asks me a question like I don't care yeah ask me if who if, if you're good enough to play on their team like I don't know I don't care I don't care yeah how Coach, coach, I'm having trouble with this class. I don't care. Yeah. What about my grades? I need to get out of here and, and transfer. Like, yeah, you could care. see, like, the shift in the face of his his team when he was saying that. And I think that was – I feel like that was the moment where things, at least in the structure of the show, where it shifted. And you could you could see them understanding how important it was to carry yourself with that, with that concern, with that um, – you can't you can't walk around like you don't care like nothing matters because it does it it hurts it's emotional all of these things and if you're not confronting that then you're doing yourself a disservice but man this show is great i love last uh, last season as well or the season 1 i think it's been a couple of years because of covid yeah. they've been shut down but um, and yeah, this picks up while it's still like in the heart of COVID yeah. too. So well the was, omicron kind yeah. of outbreak that we had um, but man it's such a good show. He's he seems like a really dope dude, yeah. and he seems like both all the coaches. And they have one of their coaches in a wheelchair, and he's out there every day, like it's, working with them. It just it's a good. They really care about these kids, yeah. and it really comes through. And they they know they move through. They know, hey, yeah. you're I'm only going to have you for a year or two, but I'm going to do right. my best to get you prepared to get you where you want to go. And it just you well, can there, feel. There it. was a scene like towards the end where they're talking to. 
Uh, it's like Coach Rob and I think maybe Shamar and Brian Penn Johnson. And uh, Brian Penn Johnson's like, so is there going to be like a banquet after the season or something? We get to like, you guys going to like have us, like feed us some like good food or whatever? Yeah. And uh, Coach Rob's just like, bro, if you go, if you get a D1 scholarship, like, we we're never gonna see you again, bro. Like and we, I hope we don't. Like this is this is just you're trying to get out of here, man. Like screw a banquet. Like yeah. go get a go get a room and uh, and a meal ticket from from whatever college you're playing for and get out of here. Well, it's cool. We they had a they had one guy Brian Penn Johnson that got a D one to Cal, Cal State Poly. Cal Poly. Yeah. Um, full ride, whatever. We had a couple of guys that got Josh, three guys that got offered kid yeah. went to Morehouse, I want to say, or, uh, or Grambling. Grambling State. Grambling, yeah. 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 Um, and then a couple other guys that got some D2 scholarships. Um, one of the guys that was kind of like a fan favorite, the, the lunch pail kid, um, Damani. Yeah. He ended up getting into a D2 college to play ball, right. um, and pursue his civil engineering degree. So it's like, at some point, none of these guys are going to make it to the league. I'm, I'm just straight out. Right. Like, I don't think even Brian at seven, whatever he is, yeah. uh, I think he's undersized for the pro game. Yeah, I, think I mean, he might be able to go play pro in Europe somewhere. But his, yeah, his, his hands aren't the best, and I'm not sure that that's going to work. He did seem like he got a little more aggressive as the season went on and like and was his positioning. Yeah, like well, I think that's part of it. Like he get he finally got somebody to teach him some fundamentals as body position is important. Like where you're going to be when that ball goes up, what are you going to do? Where what spot are you going to beat your man to? It's about angles. How can you take away a pass? You don't have to guard the the guy up heavy. You can play passing lanes. There's things that you can do to to help move that game forward but you have to constantly be moving in different positions and communicating and he definitely got better as the season kind of went on so yep agreed hope good great things for show them. Yep. great show i hope everybody checks it out um the, the football ones were great too but uh yeah check out the basketball version the football ones were seasons one and two. ultimately disturbing how mean they uh, were to kids i mean but i don't know it was still entertaining entertaining though, but, sure uh yeah anyway so yeah that's uh that's it for this episode and uh mike what do you got jeremy in football you have the offense and the defense you can't have one without the other respect will be paid